Hello and welcome to another episode of RT Plus and what is the next episode in our UK IFPR series and today I'm delighted to be joined again by Victoria Pridmore um, and we are going to look at the ICARA process. Hello Victoria. Hi Eric. Why don't we kick off with something pretty high level and I'm sure a question that a lot of people would appreciate uh, being answered. What exactly is the ICARA process Victoria? So yeah it's a really good question to start off with because I think there's been some uh grappling with this in the industry. So at a high level, the ICARA process is a new process that listed pro-investment firms will have to go through to assess the risks that are facing its business. It's replacing the previous ICAP process, which was previously, which was designed to assist with assessing these risks. But the ICARA process is a more holistic approach. And the purpose of it is to is a is an overarching basis to make sure that the firm meets the threshold conditions of having appropriate financial resources and its principle four obligations uh, in accordance with the FCA rules. So what effectively it is driving at is a holistic identification of all the material risks that the firm is facing. So as a result of this, the FCA is expecting a lot of tailoring of the approach and the document of the uh, and, the, and the documentation to make sure that it really does match and drive home the identification of risks in the particular business model of the firm. So unlike the ICAP process, it's not considering a very specific granular set of risks set out in regulation. It is expecting the firm to go through and consider all the material harms that it might face and then calculate appropriate financial resources as against those risks. The new, another new aspect of this process is that it's meant to be considered on an end-to-end -end basis, so at the life cycle of the firm as a whole. So that would include the wind-down and potential, uh, the wind-down wind down planning and potential wind-down triggers. Although that's never been part of the ICAP process historically, I would say that firms have had wind-down planning guidance from the FCA handbook for a number of years, and there has been a growing expectation that firms will have some type of wind-down planning in place. What's new is the tying together of the ICAP and the wind-down elements. I see. So it's not a sort of reinvention of the wheel, but certainly some, some new stuff in here. So um, what exactly has to be done then? So there's a number of steps that the guidance and regulation and the uh, handbook sets out now. So the steps that need to be taken can basically follow, broken down as follows. You need to identify all the harms that arise from the ongoing operation of the business and the wind down of the business, put in place appropriate systems and controls to identify, monitor, and if proportionate, reduce all material potential harms, have a clearly articulated business model, risk appetite, and identify those material risks and make sure that those material risks are aligned between the business and ultimately making sure that the risks are identified to mitigate any harms towards clients. Consider those own fund requirements as a result of those risks. Consider the plausible stresses that could affect the business. Use stress testing to, stress, to test the stresses that could impact the business and then document the whole process through an ICARA document. However, as you can hear from that list, there's a number of things that could immediately pose challenges to firm and that implementation of these steps is going to be really difficult for firms going forward, particularly as against the requirement to keep this updated on an ongoing basis and to have that ongoing assessment of these risks. See, so yeah, as you say, there's there, there is a lot uh, uh, sort of uh, that firms would be 
required to do there. Now, obviously, Victoria, the, the implementing these sorts of things is something that you're a bit of a bit of a, a specialist at. So, how should a firm look to run this process, particularly given, um, as you mentioned there, the FCA's expectations of this being an ongoing assessment? So there's some immediate steps that firms should take, and some firms may already have done this as part of the IFPR world, remembering that there was always a bit of an emphasis on the ICAP also being an ongoing process, but ordinarily it was refreshed on an annual basis. So these steps are now set out as more rules, and actually it is now on the firms to make sure that they are driving this forward. So my key takeaways would be having a clearly articulated business model and strategy and a clearly articulated risk appetite. They tend to be the foundation for any type of risk identification process, and it will help the firm identify where its material risks are and then consider how it needs to address these both from the perspective of fiscal controls and then ongoing management and oversight. So a classic example would be market risk arising from a trading desk and account for such market risk being incurred. The trickier question for firms is what constitutes material risk for a firm once it has a picture of its strategy and risks and therefore what they will need to account for. The historic ones that were considered under ICAP process will likely be accounted for under the new process, but outside there's going to be some tricky decisions to be made as against that risk appetite document. The firm then really needs to get to grips with the size of these material risks and work out the appropriate financial resources to cover them. This will be done through a number of departments needing to input and identify both the controls and the size of the risks present, which are likely to include a broad cross-section of second-line defence functions, including risk, finance, compliance. And there is going to need to be input from front office as well. So... I think one of the key steps that firms need to take now is to really work out where it needs to isolate and grab its information from across the firm. And it needs to have a centre point contact who will be running this process. Then I think on an ongoing basis, firms need to work out their reporting mechanisms and thresholds for what might be considered as a material change in business model or operating model. So working out what the management information flows are and working out how it's reporting to that centre point and the centre point for the ICARA process on changing risks, and then working out how it measures the material change. So if there was a large number of new product types, for instance, and the firm would need to identify whether that's a material change in the business model, and therefore, it needs to revisit the Taikara documentation. It's all going to be about thresholds and matrix and management on these. Um, so you mentioned the Taikara document. Um, what are the requirements for that? So the firm has to do this, have this documentation in place that reflects the process it's gone through for having for assessing its risks. It has to prescriptively have have a number of items included now. Now I'm, I won't go through the whole list, and they are set and it is set out in the FCA handbook. But for instance, a few of the interesting ones include an explanation of the firm activities carried out by the firm with the focus on the most material risk material activities, how the firm's concluded that the ICARA process is fit for purpose and a clear explanation of why the firm has reached this conclusion, where the firm has concluded that the ICARA process requires further improvement. That's going to also need to be documented and it's going to have to include a clear explanation of the improvements needed the steps needed to make those improvements in the timescale, and who within the firm is responsible for taking those steps. 
Documentation also needs to include an analysis of the effectiveness of the firm's risk management processes, a summary of the material harms, an overview of the business model assessment and capital and liquidity planning, a clear explanation of how the firm's complying with its overall financial adequacy rule, a summary of stress testing, potential recovery actions, and an overview of the wind down planning, which I mentioned earlier. So it's quite an extensive documentation. And it is going to take firms a lot of effort to compile and put this all together. And the other key point to note is that as part of this process, governing body is responsible for reviewing the contents and approving the contents of the document. So it's going to need to have some lead time to go through that management information flow and through that governing body process so they are comfortable signing it off. And in particular, when considering the senior management responsibility in this, there will have to be a demonstration that those senior managers involved have taken reasonable steps to ensure that the internal systems and controls are appropriate. So it will be that the senior managers will be expected to contribute in a meaningful way. And that may be at governing body level or through the implementation more generally. So there's a lot in there for firms to unpick and grapple with. Certainly is. And uh, finally, what about group ICARAs and consolidated ICARAs? Yeah, so it's a really good question. So in the case of an investment firm that is sitting in a group, the firm will have to take into account risks that may arise from the group. So in particular, if you are looking at a MIFID per investment firm that's part of an investment firm group, it will need to think about the risks that it is facing from its sister or its parent or whatever the group structure looks like. So what it is considering will depend on the holding structure of the group. Where there's a broader group structure, so I mentioned sisters and parents there, for instance, all, ind all individual investment firms will need to consider the risks that the broader group poses to it. So it is quite an extensive evaluation. Um, so that is how the group ICARA process uh, will work and how much the group will need to be factored in will be dependent on the business operations and the business model and how that firm interacts with group. Um, it's worth noting that it is the case that any MIFID pro investment firm will have to consider this group risk. So although you can see that a, you know, an investment firm group might have broader risks to consider, if you're sitting within any holding structure, it's likely you'll have to consider some kind of risk that's coming from the group more generally. Um, the consolidated ICARA only comes into in, effect when the FCA determines that an investment firm group has to perform its ICARA on a consolidated basis. So in particular circumstances where firms are not able to fully account for material risks on an individual basis, even when considering the group risks it faces, the FCA may say that it needs to implement the process to require the firm to operate its ICARA on a consolidated basis. But I think you can see in either of those ways, there are some real challenges as against some of the points I mentioned on senior management and governing bodies, where working out where appropriate sign off and oversight happens in respect of some of these group aspects is really challenging for firms and they will need to consider where that sign off happens and the lead time in respect of the sign off when it has to go through multiple governing bodies and multiple committees for approval. Um, very uh, certainly a lot a lot for firms to consider there. Uh, Victoria, thanks uh, very much for your time and uh, thank you to all of you for listening in at home. We hope to catch you again soon. <laughs>